in this series called One Thing. Can you look at your neighbor and say one thing? One thing. We've been going through in this series called One Thing. Christopher, can you look to your neighbor and say one thing? <laughs> one thing. Um, so we've been in this series called One Thing, and we've been talking about the power of focus, and we've been talking about the power of doing one thing. And um, So we've been going through different passages of Scripture that have talked about one thing, and so um, we're kind of going to kind of elaborate on that this morning. This is the end of our series And so hopefully you guys aren't too excited that we're ending the series, but one thing, one thing. And so here we go. In Psalms chapter 27, verses 1 through 6, it says this. It says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent. He will set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom should I be afraid when the wicked advance against me to devour me? And it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. Amen? And one thing I ask from the Lord, this one thing I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Man, that's a beautiful thing. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent, and he will set me high upon the rock. And then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Lord, I just pray this morning that you minister to us. I pray that you will speak to us this morning. I pray that your, your word will not return void. I, I know that your word is powerful and effective. I know that you can do the mighty work in our hearts, Father. God, I just pray for people this morning who are maybe going through trouble, or people this morning that maybe are, are, are having things that they fear. Maybe there are people this morning that feel like their enemies are around them, their foes are around them. Maybe there are people here this morning that feel like their life is falling apart, God. And I, I just pray this morning that you will minister to us through this passage of Scripture in your holy name. Amen. So just in case you didn't know, this passage of Scripture was written by King David. He is a hero of the faith. He was the second king of Israel, and he was a man after God's own heart. There have been people who have speculated when David wrote the psalm. They have said that it, you know, they're trying to figure out exactly where. Um, It's interesting because if you actually 
go to the superscription of the text, it, it says it's from David or, to, or, or by David. But if you go to the Septuagint, it actually says before his anointing. So you wonder, when was it written? It's before his anointing. There were actually three different times where David was anointed, not just once. So that's the tricky part. He was anointed once when he was a boy, when the prophet Samuel came and spoke to him, spoke to his father. He was anointed once then. He was anointed again after the death of Saul, and he was uh, anointed as the king of Judah in 2 Samuel chapter 2. And then he was anointed again a couple of chapters later over all of Israel. So sadly, even the superscription doesn't really help us much. We just know that it was before his anointing. And if I could take a guess, I would say that perhaps it was between his first and his second anointing. Just because the passage is filled with so much tension. I don't know if you realize that. If you kind of take a look back again, it's almost like David's giving himself a pep talk in the middle of trials, in the middle of tribulations. You kind of look closer and he talks about fear and he talks about being afraid. He talks about the wicked. He talks about being devoured. He talks about enemies and foes and stumbling and falling and an army besieging him. It looks like he's in a place of trouble. It looks like he's in a place of distress. You know, sometimes I think when we think about David, we think about all of the highlights of his life. We think of all the wonderful things that he accomplished. We think about him being anointed as king as a child and anointed later and anointed later. We think about him defeating Goliath. We think about that he was this mad, awesome musician. We think about how he led Israel to victory after victory and how the crowds cheered, how he killed his tens of thousands. We, we, think, about, we think about all the wonderful things that he did. We think about how he was a man after God's own heart. We think about how he was the king of Israel who wrote a ton of the Psalms. We think of all the good things in his life. But I think when we, when we really look closer at the text, I don't think that he was writing it at a place of utopia. You look at it again closer and you can see, again, he talks about fear and he talks about being afraid and he talks about the wicked and he talks about being devoured and he talks about his enemies and he talks about his foes and stumbling and falling and an army besieging. When you look at his life, we often think of the highlights, the good things. But I I think that he wrote this psalm from a place of trouble. That he wrote this psalm from a place of distress. And you can take your pick when you read the the Bible. You you look at all the places where he actually um, was going through distress. I was reading a story in 1 Samuel chapter 19 the other day where it said that Saul learned where David was at and Saul was jealous of David and so he sent his men to capture David. He's like, capture David, bring David back to me. Don't kill him, bring him to me and then I'm going to kill him. David's wife hears about this and she tells David to escape through the back of the house. So David leaves And she puts an idol in the bed, put some goat hair on it to make it look like David. I don't know how big this idol was. Put this goat hair on this idol to look like David so that when the men came in and tried to capture David, he wouldn't be there. It seemed like his life was tumultuous. It seems like there was a victory and then there was a lot of trouble that followed. He had a victory with Goliath, but then Saul began to pursue him and wanted to kill him. 
You see in Scripture that he was running constantly, that he was running from city to city. He was acting like he was insane in front of the Philistines in order that they wouldn't kill him. He, he, would, he was hiding in the mountains and in the rocks and the clefts. His life was filled with war and violence and destruction. And, and often when we read David's life, again, we read the highlights and we forget that he was actually on the run in his life. For 13 years of his life, he was on the run. And even after he became king, his life was not a better... It wasn't like he was sitting somewhere drinking a, you know, I don't even know, whatever, like, like in, the, in the Boca Raton. Like his life, even after he became king, we see that he was betrayed by his faithful confidant, Ahithophel. We see that he committed adultery, he lost his child. And we also see that his son tried to overthrow his kingdom. I think if you perhaps are here this morning and you're going through trouble, that this psalm is for you. This passage of scripture is for you. In his distress, in his trouble, he says this. He says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Now, my sister Rebecca is here, and she can testify, right, Rebecca? Probably, probably not. My sister Rebecca is here. Can we give her a hand? She came to visit all the way from Iowa. Boo. Um, She's already here from Iowa. Um, But growing up, actually, the first time my, my, my wife came to visit us, um, there is a road that leads to my house. I live out in the country. It's a gravel road. Judy knows what I'm talking about. She's been to my house before. It's a gravel road that leads out into the country. My house is about five miles out in the country, gravel road. And uh, there's no street lights. And so when you drive out there, you see the stars and you see... I mean, you city people don't know what I'm talking about, right? Because you guys are going to... But it's gravel road out in the country. And the first time my wife came to visit, I remember I was driving very quickly down these gravel roads. And my wife started freaking out. She's like, ah, what are you doing? She's like, slow down. And I'm, I'm like, no, 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 it's fine. I'm like, honey, I've, I've driven down these roads before. Rebecca, you can testify. I've driven down these roads before. I remember when I was in high school, I'd go like 70 miles an hour down these roads, probably really dangerous. It was up and down or whatever. Be flying down these roads because, man, and, and, and I'm, like, I'm like, honey, listen, it's okay. She was freaking out. She's holding on to this. Ah, I'm like, it's, 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 it's okay. I'm like, honey. I'm like, I've been down these roads before. I've, I, I've, I've walked down these roads before. This is where my mother went in the ditch many years ago uh, in, 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 when it was snowing. This is where my mother ran into another car out here. This is, like, this, is, like, I've, this is where the cow died the one time. Like, I know these roads so well. I know these roads. Like, 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 so she's freaking out, but I knew, hopefully, I knew what was before me. And I feel like sometimes in life, when we're going through difficult situations, right? Like when there's troubles in front of us and whatnot, like the Lord is our light and he's our salvation. He's been there before us. He's stepped out in front of us. He's, he's in our future before we're there. He's lit our path. 
Sometimes I think when we go through difficult times, it's good to remember that the Lord is our light and that he's our salvation. And Maybe you're here this morning and you're going through a hard time. I want to remind you this morning to speak of the attributes of God, to speak of, your, to speak of his character, to speak of who he is. Like maybe you don't feel like it. Maybe you feel like you're in the dark and in trouble and in distress. But I want to remind you that the Lord is our light this morning. Amen? He is our light and he is our salvation. Thank you, Jesus. The Lord, in his trouble, in his distress, he speaks of the character and the attributes of God. He says, the Lord is my light and he is my salvation. He has gone out before me. He, he knows the path in front of me. He is the stronghold of my life. Of whom should I be afraid? Now you think about David. I don't know if, if he wrote this in a place where he actually had a physical stronghold. In fact, you read about most of his life, and he seems like he's on the run. He's on the run. He's hiding in the rocks. He's hiding in the mountains. He's hiding in the clefts. Uh, King Saul is trying to destroy him. And he's, but he's speaking that his protection is from the Lord. His strength is from the Lord. It reminds me of the, of the passage of Scripture that says, um, um, it says, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the hills, the maker of of heaven and earth. He speaks of God being our light. He speaks of God being our strength. I think there's power in us speaking of God's goodness even when we might not see it. Speaking of his character even when we might not see it. There's, there's strength and there's power in that. I don't know if, if, if David was writing, writing from a place where he felt like the Lord was shining bright upon him, or if he was writing from a spot where he felt like he felt secure, but he's speaking of God's character in the middle of his trial, in the middle of his tribulation. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom should I be afraid? Maybe there are some of you here this morning You've been going through stuff. And it's been hard to see the goodness of the Lord this morning. And I want to encourage you that the Lord is your light and he's your salvation. The Lord is your strength. He's your stronghold. He's your ever-present help in time of trouble. And in his trouble, he speaks of the character of God, but, but then... He makes a request of the Lord. In verse 4, he says, This one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek. I just want all my troubles taken away. No. I just want that Lamborghini Diablo, please. I just want, if I just had more money, it would take care of all of my problems. This, this one thing I ask, this one thing I seek, I just want to learn how to play the drums, please. I just wish I could sing in tune, please. This one thing, this ask, this one thing I seek, I just... This one thing. He doesn't divide it up. It isn't some type of dualism. It, 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 this one thing... I ask. And think about all the trials of David. He could have asked a lot of different things. 
hiding in the rocks, hiding in the clefts, um, Ahithophel uh, uh, betraying him, his son trying to overthrow his kingdom, his child dying. There's a lot of different things he could have asked. But he says this, he says, that I may, that I may dwell, that I may dwell, dwell. Dwell means to sit. It means to settle. It means to to live. Praise the Lord, I lived with my mother-in-law a few years ago and I dwelled in her home for a year. She was probably ready for me to leave by the time I got done. I was dwelling in her house. It wasn't a visit. It wasn't like... uh, uh, you know, it, you think about, he, he's like, I want to live, I want to settle, I, 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 wanna, I want to sit in your presence. I don't want to just come and attend once a week on a Sunday morning from 10.30 to 11.45. I, I'm not just going to come and I don't want to just come and sit. I don't want to um, move into your house for a season, but I want to settle. I want to live. I want to sit. I want to dwell in the house of the Lord. At that time, the house of the Lord was considered the tabernacle. If you look in the book, through the book of Exodus, you can see that it speaks of its construction, its beauty. You can see that it was actually fairly portable. In fact, the people of Israel would carry it around with them, and the presence of the Lord would, would rest on the tabernacle. The priest would go into the tabernacle, and they'd go into the tabernacle and offer sacrifices it's interesting because if, if you look at in Psalms chapter 40, and not Psalms chapter 40, Exodus chapter 40, after the tabernacle was constructed, it says that a cloud enveloped the tabernacle and that the glory of the Lord fell upon the tabernacle. Can you imagine that? If a cloud came down amongst us this morning and the glory of the Lord came down and fell on us this morning, that'd be pretty cool, wouldn't it? There's another passage of scripture that I love too that says that Moses, when he was out with the people of Israel, he would take a tent and he'd take the tent and he'd walk through the outskirts of the camp. And when he walked through the outskirts of the camp, the people of Israel would come outside of their tents and as they saw him walking with his tent, they would start worshiping the Lord. So, so he's walking with the tent And they're outside of their tents worshiping the Lord. It says that he'd get to a certain spot and he'd pitch the tent. And after he pitched the tent, it said that the glory of the Lord would fall down upon the tent. And he would testify, prophesy, and the people would worship the Lord on the the outskirts of the tent. Man, the the one thing, the one thing that David said he wanted to do is he wanted to dwell, he wanted to sit, he wanted to settle, he wanted to live in the presence of the Lord. I think you see his desire for the presence of the Lord throughout the Psalms. In Psalms chapter 84, it says this, it says, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. He goes on to say, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents 
of the wicked. Like, I, I, I don't even, like, I, if, if I can just open the door and let people into the glory of the Lord, that's okay. I would rather, in, just for one day, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. I want to dwell in your presence and I want to gaze on the beauty of the Lord. Gazing. It means to look steadily. It means to look intently. It means uh, to do this especially in adoration. I think other translation says to behold the beauty of the Lord. To behold is to see or observe a thing or person especially, especially a remarkable or impressive thing. I want to gaze upon your beauty. Remember one time at youth camp, there was a be- plug your ears, Aaron. There was, a be- there was a beautiful bunch of ladies who were there, and I was looking, and my friend and I were looking at these beautiful ladies. We were so excited because they looked so beautiful, and but we were nerdy boys, and so we came up with this great idea that we were gonna, you know, back then when they had the disposable cameras, so we had some disposable cameras, and so as we walked by, we took a couple hip shots of them as we were walking by, you know, so that later we could gaze upon their beauty. <laughs> oh my goodness! Sorry, my nerdery just went straight through the roof. I apologize. It happens. To gaze upon their beauty. You know, it's not like a passing glance. It's not like a, 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 just a, a quick, it, but it's, it's to gaze uh, being purposeful. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. And when you're gazing upon someone's beauty, unless you have a, a disposable camera at your hip, you're gazing at someone you want to be in their presence, right? I can see from here that Ken's a wonderful, wonderfully handsome man, but until I'm in his presence, until I'm in, there's an intimacy to that. Listen, God, I want to be in your house. There's an intimacy to that. But more than that, I, I want to be more than just in your house. I want to be in your space, and I want to gaze upon your beauty. I don't want to take a picture from far away. I don't want to look at you from far away. I don't want to hear about it from other people. I don't want to read about it in the newspaper. or online. Like I want to be in your presence, and I want to gaze upon your beauty. This one thing I ask, this one thing I seek, that I may dwell in your house, and I want to gaze upon your beauty. Man, there's something special about being in the presence of the Lord. There's something powerful about being in the presence of the Lord. And it's almost like David is saying that it's better for me to live in the presence of God than it is to live in the absence of of trouble and fear. It's better for me to live in the presence of God 
than it is to live in the absence of trouble and fear. I'll take the trouble, I'll take the fear as long as I can be in your presence. The Lord is my light, he's my salvation. Of whom should I be afraid? The Lord is a stronghold of my, of my life. Who should I fear? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it's my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. It's because of the Lord that we can face our trials and tribulations. It's because of the Lord that we can face distress. It's because of the Lord that we can take our life and, and just give it over to him. It's because of the Lord. It's better for me to live in the presence of God than it is for me to live in the absence of trouble and fear. The worship team can come back up. You might say this morning, oh yes, that's me. I definitely desire to be in the presence of the Lord. I, I definitely, I, I really want to dwell in the presence of the Lord. You might say that this morning. You might say this is you. You agree, but, but I, I want to ask you, is it really you? Do you really want to be in the presence of the Lord this morning? Do you really desire to be with him? Do you really want to dwell in his presence and gaze upon his beauty? Is it really you? Is it really your desire? In the Old Testament, we have the tabernacle with its glory and its power. We have the tabernacle that would be set up and the cloud would rest upon it. And the power of the Lord would fall upon it. There's the holy place and the holy of holies. People would go there and they would sacrifice. They'd go there and they'd experience the power of God. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and a living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God. Let's dwell in his house. Let's look at his beauty. with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For we who promised, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. You know, I think proof of desire is in our pursuit. Proof of desire is in our pursuit When I was in college, I remember there were many people who wanted to be music majors. It seemed like the classes were 
filled with kids who wanted to be music majors. And what the music majors didn't understand was that the music program was incredibly difficult. Man, it was like weeding the sheep from the goats. It was insane. Like Aaron and I can testify. We had a lot of friends that started out as music majors and they did not make it the whole way. I might have a desire to learn how to play the drums, but am I willing to pursue it? I might have a desire to become a music major, but am I willing to pursue it? I might have a desire to get into the presence of the Lord, but am I willing to pursue it? I might have a desire to start a ministry and to reach people, but am I willing to pursue it? Proof of desire is in your pursuit. What are you pursuing this morning? And what would life look like? What would your life look like? What would our life look like if we spent more time in his presence? Why don't you guys stand up? God, I just thank you for your word that does not return void. God, I thank you for your goodness and your grace. God, I thank you for your, um, just this opportunity to come and worship you this morning, Father. I, I pray maybe there are people here this morning that have been going through things. Maybe they've been going through distress and troubles and trials and tribulations, just like David. And God, I pray right now that they will just be um, able to reflect on your character and remember that you're good and remember that you are our light and you are our salvation. You're our stronghold. You're our rock. You're our fortress. You're you're our ever-present help in times of trouble. God, I just pray for their pursuit this morning. May May they be people that pursue you, that want to dwell, live, inhabit, be in your presence and gaze upon your beauty in your house. There are some people that are trying to follow you from far away. That have been trying to pursue you from far away. And you're, I, I believe this morning you're calling them to draw near. To gaze upon your goodness. To gaze upon your attributes. To gaze upon the things that you've done for us. We don't have to go to the tabernacle anymore. But we can go to your son who dwelt among us. And we can find life with each other. God, as we sing this song one last time, may we worship you.